podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here we go. Welcome is that back. Goldbridge? Honestly. Is that Goldbridge? It's I'm, Gary no, Neville. That's Gary Neville. Right. Oh, honestly. Right. right. Welcome back to the Cannon Podcast. Oh, that's it. Honestly. Honestly. Welcome. Is that how I'm, I'm meant to enjoy the podcast right now? Go for it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm not even trying. Not yet, honestly. Welcome back. <laughs> okay, that's the intro. Welcome back to the Cannon Podcast. And we are here with George and Alex after, let's just say, a game that was frustrating. Very annoying. Mm. Now, Alex did a breakdown on his own. Uh, me and George weren't available. I was at the game. Um, interesting game because there was so much to like about it, apart from the final part. And I think Alex likes, likes to use his word often. Edging. That was an edging performance. <laughs> oh I don't like to use it often. I, I, just, I, I just, just, just came to mind. Just... Right. <laughs> let's, break, let's break it down. Right. And I want to start this off specifically with the main problem that I think every Arsenal fan is talking about. We talk about strikers and signing players, but realistically, I don't think Arsenal are going to sign a striker in January. Mm-hmm. Because the striker we want yep. isn't available. And people talk about Osiman, 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 we're not going to sign him in January. So I don't think fans want to settle for it, but I, I get the desperation. The problem is finishing. Arsenal in the last what, three, four games have not been finishing their chances. I've seen the XG4 and against. Making chances is a good thing now. But finishing, let's break down the fundamental action of that. We'll go to Alex here first. What can Arsenal do to fix that finishing part? Because I feel like in the grand context of things, defensively we're fine. We're making chances now. We're dominating games. We've got all the other parts perfectly fine. And it's just that final action, which for me is, if anything, a positive. But of course, you, that's how you win games of football. So what does Mikel Arteta need to do? James McNicholas asked Arteta in a recent press conference, is finishing an area we have less control as a coach? And he said, well, I think overall the execution is in every part of the field. But when it comes to those spaces, the timing and the definition of an action, it becomes trickier to coach and certainly to replicate an action in the game. That's probably the hardest thing to replicate in football. The timing, the behavior of the opponent, distance between the ball and the feet of the opponent, the exact location of the shot, the position of the keeper, the game state. So it's very tricky. I think what you can do, and I agree I agree with that, by the way, and I think it's also, I think you're right to frame this as a finishing issue. I've seen a few people, you know, and, you know, people are entitled to their opinion, but here's mine. I've seen a few people say um, it's a systemic issue, whatever. Look, Arteta coached a 3-0 win the other day. That's what happened. So I, I understand the frustration at not getting over the line in competitions and stuff. And that's all kind of there. But when, and, and you know, you might like Arteta, you might not. You might like his signings, you might not. But if you're looking at the underlying numbers, you're looking at the way we're playing against Liverpool and Man City, specifically at home, but I'd also look at the performance at Anfield at certain points. If you're looking at those and thinking this coach isn't, isn't even near the level, let alone getting over the line against these teams at times, even near the level of Pep, of Pep and Klopp, I, I can't, I don't think it's worth me spending time talking about that because I don't have an argument for you. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm worth a conversation with you because I just, I just can't, I can't see it. I really can't see it. So then we come to the, to the, to the players, which the only, the only exception was Fulham. And that's when Arteta should take some blame because there were systemic issues. But that game the other night was a finishing issue. So you're right to point it out. Look, you can only bring players. To, what's, what's the, what's the phrase? You can only bring a horse you only to bring water. bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. <laughs> You you can only bring him out on Odegaard to the edge of the box. You can't force him to shoot. And look, what I will say, maybe maybe the only part of this that I can that I can look at before we go to the individual players is the blend of the attack. Um, uh, maybe we have too many connect first players in the final yeah. third, in the sense mm-hmm. of you have a Havertz who is constantly looking to connect, Odegaard is constantly looking to connect, and maybe to some degree that's the coach picking them and fine, but. Moreover, 
if you're Martin Odegaard and you're Kai Havertz in those positions, it is as simple as you have to take your action sooner. It, there's no, there's no magic pill here. There's no sort of oh, if we just sign this player or that player. How many opportunities do we have in the final third where it just delay, 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 chance gone? That is the problem. You have to be more proactive in the final third, and that comes down to the individual choices of the players. Yes, the manager picks them, but in the moment he is creating. Jesus Christ. What's going on here, mate? What's going on? It's, it's all firing off, mate. Get kicked, out, the, George. Get kicked out of the press conference. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. it, it comes down to the individual choices of the players in the moment because Arteta is getting them there. And there is, you know, you, you can talk about... Yeah, I, I, I just think it comes down to that. And there's no magic pill. There's no, well, if we move this player to there or we move this, this that and the other... We're getting the chances. We're in the positions. It's about taking your action sooner. It is as simple as that. And I don't, I, I don't think it needs any more complications. It's it's funny because at the start of the season there was a very good stat going around that in terms of big chance conversion. This is up to October. Arsenal were the highest in the league. So I I don't even look at it as it's the players' problem because normally Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard are pretty good finishers. I just look at it as bad form. And when you build a team of young players that are all under the age of 25, we, know, we all often gas you up as Arsenal fans. Though. We're so young, we're so exciting. But you're also going to get inconsistencies. Mm. That's why when you hear about yeah. Salah and Mane, they weren't world-class players or considered world-class players until they were 27, 28. When you get past that stage yeah. of when you're experienced. And I think that's why I'm not really too concerned about this being, if anything, I feel right now we're getting unlucky. Because this is not sustainable in the sense of you make this many chances and you don't score. The only, the only thing I'd add to that, though, is what you don't normally get is all of your front front players that's what I was going to say you don't like that doesn't normally happen and maybe George can comment on that but that that is the unlucky part for me yeah I mean so the thing is I, I kind of look at um, blending personalities um, and, it, and it kind of talks to um, which of our um, front line is a killer in, in quote end quotes and you know uh, it's about asking yourself kind of I think Martinelli is really the only one that's slightly a killer. But within that, do we have a player that has incredible technique striking the ball? I think we've got some good technique. I think we've got some players that are very good. I think Trissard's maybe arguably the best striker of the ball, maybe in that front line mm. uh, between both feet. But do we have a first line option in the front five that you would say is incredible at striking the ball? I don't think we have one. Next time. And I think if you were to go through every top attack in world football, you can name at least one. That's a problem for me, mm. number one. Uh, number two, you then need to ask yourselves, what have we been prioritizing? Because I think when you start, look, when you make any purchase, right, and you look at the Kai Havertz, and we can talk about, um, A, the, the finishing in terms of the mentality. Is there a psychological issue? Like, look at people in terms of their ability. Reese Nelson, should he be kind of laissez-faire after that mischance, people are maybe critiquing some small things that I'm not really aligning with. I think that happens and it's fine to have a personality that differs it with that. I don't think you need to be someone that's super intense and that makes you a better finisher. But one thing that I do think you need is aggression in your actions. And that can come from a quiet boy. I mean, we see that with Bakayo all the time in terms of him driving in the middle. I think more central Bakayo is something that we haven't seen enough of this season. And more central Martinelli is something we haven't seen enough of this season. And so when you're talking mm -hmm. about looking at the team as a whole, and if I'm trying to really diagnose the problem, 
I can't get away from the fact I feel our wingers were more inside last year, whereas this year we've almost platformed our number 10s to try to take that responsibility. And Mm. they haven't been able to find the same shooting preferences as maybe a Martinelli or a Bukayo Saka. And, and, And I think that has been one of the bigger issues. I don't find we facilitate on the left, certainly enough. I think hopefully down the line we can have a conversation about the passing efficiency because I think there's some really big issues in terms of where we're receiving, who is receiving, and who is getting these chances more consistently than not. Because we do have somebody in Martinelli who has been our best finisher. I think beyond him needing to improve individually, beyond him needing to be more aggressive with his actions, making sure that he's driving to goal, not recycling as much, Mm. I think that some of these things are individual. But then at the same token, I don't think that we're platforming him in the right way. Yeah, I, I, I want to be t- completely clear. In that Liverpool game and that West Ham game, for me, I look at the players because I think th- what the coach has done is he's coached he's coached a, a very good um, a, a very good game, and we didn't finish our chances. But in the overall picture of the game I, of our season, I concur with you, George. And I also want to add something else on, on Mikel's list, maybe. In the press, same press conference that I read out, he was asked a question about the finishing, uh, sort of after after the quote I read out earlier. And he said, essentially, yeah, we we knew, he says we, he uses the word we, we knew, he doesn't clarify whether he means in the summer, but it sounds like he meant in the summer, that the players weren't going to be able to do what they did again last season. That was a one-off, is what he says. And that's my frustration, is that, okay, so you, uh, uh, we sat here, I sat here, naively, not being paid by the club, thinking maybe there'll be a bit of a drop off, but broadly, I can see, I can see, you know, similar-ish numbers. Okay, maybe they might not hit the absolute heights, but we're not going to be sat here halfway through the season with our top scorer at six. We're not going to be sat here halfway through, this, through the season on a run where we've scored one goal from six point four three xg, wherever it is. That that's not that's not going to happen. So maybe he couldn't have predicted that. But I was sat there in the summer going, the issues we had were defensive midfield and 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 further back. And and you know you can look at it whatever, but I I think if you knew those issues were were coming, again this blend of the attack and you know George is obviously talking about the Martinelli thing and where he's picking up shots and all the all these sorts of things. But again, I think you have to if he considered oh we're going to see the finishing drop off at least maybe not to this level, it does really it does irk me that nothing was done in the summer in terms of a profile to change this up to add new energy to to bring a different type of thing because we are missing a lot of profiles from that forward group that I think would really help. Uh, yes, there's system stuff as well, but I think Mikel has almost hamstrung himself, strung himself and it seems like he knew that this not would happen to this extent. That's not fair, but he knew a level of drop-off would occur, which is why, again, you know, as well as the, the systemic stuff, I also think from the personnel, if we're looking at the big picture rather than the two games that I mentioned, which are just finishing issues, that is is a concern for me. Well, I think people blend mm. this idea of overperformance and output, and then there's a lot of weird narratives going around. So, for example, Arsenal, the same forward line that people believe is not good enough, scored the most goals for an Arsenal season in our history yeah. last year. Yeah. Fact. Um, another fact, they are the youngest um, kind of front line that really we've had in quite a while, and with that comes the up and down and consistency that we all ex- expect but I think some people didn't. I'm going to be really honest with you. They looked at last season. They saw the overperformance. And they said, you know what? They're so young. Things can only get better. And there was a level mm-hmm. of projection that I think is missing some people. Now, does that account for the severe drop-off that, say, a Martinelli is doing? I don't think so. 
I think there's a certain level of unluckiness in basically generating 6.47 XG in the last three games, 61 shots and scoring one goal. Yeah, there is a, a certain level of unluckiness there. Um, but I, I think as a whole, what we can do is it's impossible to replicate maybe a shooting situation. Mikhail talked about it in his press conference, but when you start to talk about actions, it comes down to confidence, it comes down to authority, and who's willing to take that authority. And I just think too often, at least in the front five, we have too many that are willing to become a passenger within it. And a lot of it comes down to who's going to get that zone of influence. Who in your team are you going to build around? And that could be a question moving forward because I'm just not sure that we've seen the same emphasis this season on the same players last year. And that also doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Like a a team evolves. There is differences that a team will focus on. But if we're going to move forward, I'm looking at least in the second half of the season, what can I control? I can't control the team basically finishing at a one standard deviation or a 5% level for the rest of the season. I don't think that this unluckiness, quote, end quote, is going to continue for five, six months. People are going to come back into form. You assume that, right? But when I look at like repeatable patterns, what can I see? I can see a right-hand side that for the last two and a half years has generally, despite up and downs, been platformed to succeed. And I don't know if I'm seeing the same value or at least attention to detail that we see on the left, because even in last season's brilliant run of form, I think we all agree that Granite Shaka wasn't the ideal choice. And he turned out to be a brilliant solution. And kudos to him for being able to evolve to that. But I don't think going into even that season, there were fans saying, this is the ideal choice for what we want to do. And I do think the right-hand side of our def- of our attack and even of our team are, how do I put this, the popular guys. The left seems to be a, a collection of individuals that have a little bit of island of misfit toys about them that I think we need to balance a bit better. I do I do agree, George, and we'll come back to you in a sec, perhaps. I do agree, and I, I can see the issues on both sides, but in the games that we wouldn't be having this conversation with the players, and it's not to reduce it down to one thing, but this is my, this is my, kind of my point is the, I understand the the, the the systemic stuff that Mikel can look at, and I and I and I and I broadly agree. I think the left hand side hasn't looked at its best all season, and that those are conversations that are relevant. But for the the run that we're on right now, do you put that over the the individual finishing, or do you see it as a as equal factors? No, I mean I I think obviously the finishing in the last three games are an issue, but I also just don't think that's something that would carry on kind of more than four or five games. I think yeah, in order I see that. in order to like. In order to fix that, that's a little bit more. Listen, boys, let's take some a little bit of authority. Make sure that we've tried to play on instinct. Less about the pattern play. Can we maybe forget? And I think, though, part of that solution is allowing freedom. I think that's my big point because I think they're intertwined. Right now, things look predictable. And for me, there's very few players acting on instinct. And I'd like th- to see th- that a bit more. I think that's that's maybe where I slightly deviate. Well, I don't... And, and Babs, we should come to you. I, I, I don't see it as as predictable. I thought we were actually a lot more chaotic than we have been in a while against Liverpool. I felt that against West Ham. It just feels like the finishing to me. But yeah, Babs, sorry, come to you. There's one player that was causing chaos. Now, not just chaos on the pitch, I'd say chaos on social media. His name is Kai Havertz. Now, look, on the pitch, on the day, he missed a few chances and actually made a few chances as well. 
in terms of the actual generation of chance creation and just getting into positions, I think he was pretty decent, you know, in terms of a centre forward and actually making things happen. But the finishing part, and it's not even just the finishing, it's the urgency in the finish. Seems to have caused a lot of Austin fans, a lot of anger, frustration. Why can't you shoot earlier? So in terms of Havertz right now, we'll go to we'll go to George here. Do you think he's actually as bad in that performance specifically as maybe he was made out to be on social media? No, I, I mean, it was probably one of his better individual performances as a That's whole. That's what I kind of thought as well. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel as though that he was very strong back to goal, actually. Um, you know, he wasn't losing the ball. I think he was secure as well, and he was offering himself as an option both sides. I don't think uh, I saw one side being favorited. Um, look, the finishing at the end of the day, it is, it's pretty shambolic, and we know we know about that. And I think I've got this theory almost that part of the reason of him playing midfield, at least in Mikel's thinking, by the way, was to actually reduce pressure in a sense. So bear with me on this. I feel as though that by being in midfield, you're going to have less chances in general in front of goal. And on a player that's really lacking confidence, if you're going to continue some of the same patterns, it's very easy to go into kind of this mental spiral about nothing is working and nothing will work. And I think part of the midfield adjustment was we're going to try to get you to make the same runs, but we're not going to try to get you be the person or at least the narrative where you're the one finishing the actions. At nine, you can't really escape that. When you play at that, you're leading the focal point. And so you're doing a lot of the same things, but at the end of the day, you're being asked to also finish those chances. And I think part of that pressure, if I'm looking at that Liverpool game, I'm saying, brilliant, we have a bit of the Darwin Nunez about us. You're creating chances, you're not going to finish them, but I'm not worried because you're making those chances. As long as that movement and that chance creation continues, I'm willing to work with you, right? That's the whole point of kind of a Darwin Nunez in general. I kind of feel similarly with Kai Havertz in terms of him at nine in that position. I think it's the best that we can do with the team right now. But um, at the end of the day, there's going to be a little bit more pressure, in my opinion, from a lot of fans because they're going to see those final actions more. And even if that means still basically making the same runs from midfield, because by the way, I don't think his role was massively different. You know, I, I think he was still asking to at least attack the box in very similar ways. One thing is, of course, I think that he gets a little bit more freedom when he is at the nine for himself to kind of stay up there. And there's less um, second phase receiving responsibilities. But those are just small tweaks. Right. And, and that that leads to other problems. So I think he himself looked freer. But look, mate, at the end of the day, the finishing, I can't sit here and lie like it was really it was shambolic. Like there was genuinely a couple open goals really the set piece for me was really difficult for a player who i think has good aerial ability if you're asking about kai Havertz about one of his strengths it is aerial ability and 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 i think that there needs to be a time when we stop saying there's some really good stuff here i need to see a more complete performance and I, i think you ask those questions when you cost above a certain price point and some of it's unfair, but I do think some of it is fair to ex- accept a bit more aggression. He needs on-the-ball aggression. And that needs c- to come from a passing angle, from a finishing angle. I think his actions on the ball need to carry more conviction. And, and, and I don't mind if he misses. I, I think it comes down to fans just wanting to see him attempt. And, and I think that's maybe the biggest frustration if I'm trying to get a temperature gauge on social media and even myself because I'm sitting there saying... Look, mate, if you if you miss and you and you know you don't do the action, you don't succeed, I'm not gonna bite your head off. I just want to see you intend to make the right play. And 
I think that's really the biggest issue that I'm finding with Kai Havertz. But as a whole, Liverpool was really the last performance. I would say that's a poor overall game. It was really, really good. Just the finishing needs to come together. Yeah, he's always in the headlines. And I think he started two games in front of the season, sitting the community shield in Liverpool in this game here. And he could have scored four or five goals yeah. in those two games, which is, I actually think it's a positive. But of course, there is a bit of Darwin Nunez there where it's like he's making the chances for himself, but he's not scoring the chances. So what's the point of that? I want to talk about our goalkeeper though, because there's that one pass in that first half that Ramsdale plays right at the start of the game. I think it's right in the first two minutes where he fires it through. And that seems to have been a catalyst for a new conversation, or not an old conversation of anything. Does Aaron Ramsdale deserve to get his place back? Or is his also the career over? Because people see that performance and go, hang on a minute. There might still be a chance for him here. Alex, what do you think? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network.